let's say you own an LLC called Harry Booty LLC. So you rent a home from Harry Booty LLC, which you also own, and you pay rent to Harry Booty LLC. You can write that rent off. Now, the LLC gets the benefit of depreciation, of amortization. Now, it would serve you better if you had a corporation that was renting it from the LLC and you structure it accordingly, right? But if you do that, it's an amazing windfall opportunity for a business owner. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. So there's no actual physiological possible way that Saeed and I can get to all the topics we want to cover tonight. So many. Too many. Mm -hmm. But here's the highlight reel. Here's the rundown. We're going to talk a little bit about Silicon Valley Bank. Obviously, there's been some developments since they went down, and First Citizens is going to buy a large chunk of their assets. We'll talk a little bit about the logistics there. Then we're going to get into Neil Kashkari being Neil Kashkari, a man I once revered and respected. It's kind of being a douche. Kashkari doing Kashkari type things. Yeah. Cash is just rules everything around me. Cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was too fast. That was, that was impressive. Yeah. We're going to talk about the, uh, uh, the employment numbers, the jobless claims that came out, and obviously how Disney responded to that, which uh, they responded in a pretty significant way. Then we'll walk down to one of Saeed's favorite topics, cryptocurrency. Oh, so There's much. been some developments, kids. Oh, yeah. And uh, this one, I think, is going to be provocative. Think so? It gets the people going. <laughs> I saw what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you saw what you did there. And then we'll, uh, we'll end this, the show on a little bit of Credit Suisse. A little bit? A little bit of Credit Suisse. Tiny, tiny, tiny little bit. Oh, that's right. There was a whistleblower. The whistleblower. Yeah. That was bad for them. That's 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 really bad for them. Not just them, though. All of Swiss banking. All of Swiss banking. Mm -hmm. So we're going to end the show on a happy note, clearly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but before we do that, let's jump in to First Citizens. Their, short, their shares soared 50% after the bank buys a large chunk of the failed Silicon Valley Bank. They will buy Silicon Valley Bank's deposits and loans, the U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation said Monday, this posted by CNBC, just over two weeks after the biggest U.S. banking collapse since Lehman Brothers. Oh, yeah. The deal includes a purchase of approximately $72 billion of Silicon Valley Bank assets at a discount of $16.5 billion. Wow. But around $90 billion in securities and other assets will remain, quote, in receivership for disposition by the FDIC. 
In addition, the FDIC received equity appreciation rights for uh, First Citizens Bank shares, Raleigh, North Carolina, common stock with a potential value of $500 million. So I know what you're asking, you're asking right now. You're asking, what the hell is that sound in the background that was Saeed choking on something back there? No, sorry. I had That's what you get for eating yeah. nuts pre-show. Nuts, pre okay? nuts pre-show. Yeah. <laughs> you don't eat nuts pre-show. So the $90 billion in securities that will remain in receivership for those that are unacquainted, a receivership is a court-appointed tool that can help creditors recover funds they're owed. So they're going to hold that, right, for a while until they can make sure that everyone gets paid out. So the big picture take-home here is that a $200 billion bank mm -hmm. was split up. First Citizens Bank got to choose what assets they wanted. They chose $72 billion of assets, got a discount of $16.5 billion. Right. And those assets were deposits and loans. Right. And they only paid $500 million in stock. Crazy. To do this. Crazy. Talk about a landslide windfall victory First for First Citizens is kind of known for this too, right? They, they bought some failed banks? They bought some failed banks, but that, that's not necessarily, like, I mean, they, they've had opportunities to do so because mm -hmm. they've bid on them. I mean, who knows? I mean, if you would ask me to bid on some of these assets, I mean, I don't know that I would I would have wanted to, frankly. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of risk there. There is a lot of return if you do it right and your accounting's right and you're good and you feel confident, and that could be why they split up the assets they took. They probably said, you know what? We don't want any of the... Uh, venture capital banking stuff, you know. Right. Who knows how they split it up, but it, it's certainly uh, weird. Arun just pulled up an article from the Wall Street Journal. First Citizens adds to its collection of failed banks with SVB purchase. Deal gives the North Carolina uh, bank $219 billion in assets in aggregate. Three years ago, it had $42 billion. Right. So, so in three years, that's how many assets they've acquired. So as of December 31st, Silicon Valley Bank's regulatory report noted that they had 15 billion in mark-to-market losses mm -hmm. out of their 90 billion held to maturity securities. Right, right. Uh, the insurance fund by the FDIC is estimated to lose approximately 20 billion because remember they classified this as systemic risk. Mm -hmm. Right, whereas normally what would happen here is you know depositors would lose out on their funds, anything that was uninsured. Right. Until they sold off all the assets. But yeah, but here's the thing, though, is that, yes, they would have normally the depositors would have normally lost out of the money. And by backstopping it, they have now saved the depositors. They didn't bail out the bank, but they saved the depositors. OK, yes. fine. Good. Whatever. Mm -hmm. And yes, that's going to cost money. Right. But I believe the way they're proposing this structuring of this comes is not going to be like government sponsored. I think it's going to come from the banks. They're trying to get this like the banks to backstop this. Right. So I don't know that it's going to necessarily cost the consumer that money. So the key, I think that one of the key components to all of this too was that that aspect of the, you know, they had marked down 15 billion in those held to maturity securities. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something worth like diving into for people to understand. These are, these are securities that banks buy, right? That they intend, why they, they're called held to maturities because they're bought intended to be held all the way till the maturity date, right? And if, if you imagine it like this, I had a, uh, an example here. So first of all, I know most of the listeners know, but for those who don't, bonds are a type of security or investment sold by the government and corporations as a way of raising money uh, from investors. Now imagine a bond being sold at a coupon rate of 2% and it was, had $1,000 per value, right? 
par value. The bondholder will be paid $20 in interest income annually, but most bond coupons are split in half and paid semi-annually. If the rate goes down to 1%, then your 2% bond has good value, right? But in an interest rate increasing environment like we're in now, that 2% no, don't, no longer looks good. Yeah, but the reason why is a lot more simple than I think a lot of the definitions give you, right? Mm-hmm. If you can go out and buy something that's going to give you a better return right now, right? the lower return that you currently have is not as valuable. And that's what they had on their books. That's as simple as it is, right? So yeah. they bought at the time what was good returns. Mm-hmm. And now because of the Fed monetary policy of increasing rates and then thus increasing some of the returns on these bonds, right? the bonds that they're holding pay less than what market would. Right. So if you were to sell those at market, no one's going to pay you full price because if I can go out and spend five hundred dollars or something that pays me six percent mm-hmm. versus five hundred dollars that pays me something two percent, right? I'm not going to buy that th- that something at two percent unless you're going to give me a discount. Right. You're going to give me an interest in buying it. So I'll sell it to you for ninety-seven percent of the, on the dollar as opposed to a hundred percent of the dollar because that three percent will make up for the difference that I can get it going the market. Exactly. But in in an environment that SVB was in right now realizing some of those losses could cause major problems. Can I be honest? Yeah. I feel like your vibe is off tonight. <laughs> you're, you're a little vibe light. You're See, doing this? Are you know, really no, doing no, this I right know, now? I know that I've been sleep deprived and I'm cranky. I got off planes you're, and I, I, I did not sleep well in the hotel Oru, for the last o, couple days. Odun and I are walking on eggshells right here, ready for you to explode any second. I'm pissed off because of technology, not because of the show. <laughs> yeah, that energy's rubbing off. We, so we got a new camera tonight. It's it's like the super high-end Sony FX3. Yeah, it's the older brother to the little brother that we have. The FX30. And this camera is supposed to be, you know, the technical term is the shit. Glorious. It's glorious. Mm-hmm. It poops rainbows and gumdrops and lollipops. Yeah. Got everything set up with it. And it just the colors did not line up. It was like too good. It was too good. Right. Made all the rest of our cameras look like shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're like, what the fuck? And even though we're still in a trial period, it was like. Yeah, we can't we can't go to production with this. Not doing this. So it kind of wasted a couple hours of our night, and then we are now vastly approaching eleven o'clock, maybe even closer to twelve o'clock at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have been cussing at, at cameras all night long, and Saeed and Arun are walking on eggshells. Right. So the moral of the story is, let's get the vibe in line. Let's do it. You want to hold my hand? No, let's not do it. Come on, man. <laughs> no, it's for the show. Nope. I would do it for you if it was for the show. No. If I was not... in there, I would hold his hand. Thank you, I'll Arun. Let you, I'll let I love you. I'll See? let you hold it. Such an angelic voice. Yeah. Angelic. Yeah. When he chimes in all positive like really? that. Not when he's playing like weird things from the soundboard, though. I'm never going <laughs> to let that go. One time too many. Right. That, that's what I'm going to say. Okay. So I guess the whole bond conversation is important as it relates to Silicon Valley Bank because these people bought this from them. They bought it at a discount and these held to market assets were part of their write down. If we're going to buy the, their assets, we have to know how much they're worth. So the discount that effectively they took was 16 something million dollars. Now, here's really? a, we don't know if they bought securities or loans or what they all bought, but they certainly felt that a 16, you know, 16 billion dollar discount was worthwhile. Right. I will also point out they got this deal done with only half a million dollars. It was half a million. It's 500 million dollars in in stock, was that what it was? Mhm. That's what you said. Read, let me read the quote again just to make sure I don't misquote this cuz I don't want anybody to come back and be like, "Bro, yeah, yeah, here it is." Yeah. From North Carolina, common stock with a potential value of up to 500 million. Mhm. Yeah, that's not a lot of stock. <laughs> no, so, relatively speaking, anyways. Talk about windfall. So this got me thinking in kind of the bigger picture. Where does Silicon Valley Bank, this bank that we have now held out to be a problem, one of the largest banks in history to fail, right? where do they fall in line 
with all the other banks across the country. Well, there was a great chart, and the link is in the show notes from an article that I found, Wall Street Journal, Where Financial Risk Lies in 12 Charts. This is one of them. All right. It shows all the assets that, that banks have across, across the country, commercial mortgage-backed securities, mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, asset-backed securities, and other securities. Now, I will point out, this does not address the loan side. Right. This, so loans are assets on the bank's balance sheet, and securities are assets on the bank's balance sheet. Right. Their liabilities are what they owe other people. Those are deposits. Yes. Okay? So this is really only talking about one type of asset. Now, and when you're looking at those loans, you can't necessarily, based on the balance sheet, you can't necessarily tell what kind of loans they are, how long they're holding these, right? Correct. Well, you, you hold loan. It, it's assumed you're holding loans in portfolio unless you move them to held for sale. Right. That being said, the loans have the same problem as the bonds do. If we made loans a year ago at 3%, mm-hmm. and now I can go out and deploy that capital in a similar situated loan for 6%, mm-hmm. no one's going to pay you a dollar for dollar on that loan balance if you were going to sell it on the market. They would pay you less than that. They would mm-hmm. pay you 97%, and then that 3% would be a premium to get them interested in buying a loan that's below market use right. for the dollars. This, like is the for, this is foreshadowing to some problems our boys at Charles Schwab is having. It is foreshadowing. But in this particular chart, they compared Silicon Valley Bank's assets, their commercial mortgage-backed securities or mortgage-backed securities, treasuries, and asset-backed securities to those across all banks. And I got to tell you, as much as we want to demonize Silicon Valley Bank, across all banks, mm-hmm. the numbers are worse. Yeah. Significantly worse. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is, well, what happened at Silicon Valley Bank? Okay, well, you could argue that they had a monoline business. They were really solely into tech and venture capital. But their loans didn't go bad that we know of. They're supposed to be a report forthcoming in May right? Uh, from the regulators, which will tell us a little like more. It was like 50% of their accounts were in the tech Yeah, space. it was huge. But yeah. I'm not aware of like a huge amount of loans going bad. What I'm, what I'm aware of is there being less cash on hand yes. for the particular businesses that they have, right? Right. Fine. All good. I get that. But it was really Peter Thiel and a lot of the rhetoric on social media that drove this depository run. Right. You were pulling money out. You run on the bank. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at assets across all banks, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, okay, are we one social media post from a, a prominent person away from this happening somewhere else? Yeah, definitely. And that's why we're not out the woods yet. So when do we get out of the woods? Here, here's the fucked up thing. When Jerome Powell decides to pivot? I don't think... Don't even get me started on Jerome Powell. He's yeah. on my shit list. Him and Neil Kashkar kiss my ass. Yeah, gang gang. Right on my asses. <laughs> right there. Here's my problem. Is I think that... Historically, a bank run couldn't be caused unless something really hit media and they ran with it and mm-hmm. it was big, right? You couldn't, you didn't have the social media capabilities you do with like Twitter. Right. You didn't have the social media capabilities that you had and an easy way of communication via text. I mean, it spread like wildfire. Right. A bank run like this could be caused at almost any moment if a, a notable individual and, with a following decides to say something bad about a bank. Absolutely. Yeah. If someone like Elon Musk came out, Right? And had probably no business really speaking about banking like that. And Elon Musk is cavalier. He's been saying some shit like this before in the past. That's, I mean, what, that's what I'm saying. If he came out, you know he's already got like a cult-like following. And that, that scares me. That scares me a whole hell of a lot. But as you alluded to, this is also a problem for one Charles Schwab with $7 trillion empire built on low rates. is showing cracks. This according to Business Week. Mm-hmm. Shall I read the highlights and then you hit me with the details? I know, you, oh, yeah. I know you're foaming at the mouth to get to the details. Oh, I got a lot. All right. So I'll hit the highlight points 
And Saeed will get into the sexy details of this particular story. But I should point out, this really is a problem with Charles Schwab Bank, not necessarily Charles Schwab, the investment firm. Mm -hmm. So on the surface, Charles Schwab being swept up in the worst U.S. banking crisis since 2008 makes little sense. Yet the question around Schwab won't go away. Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) So sad, Charles. (laughs) As the crisis drags on, investors are starting to unearth risks. Unearth risks, Said. Unearth, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. It's pretty uh, vivid. What do you unearth? I unearth a lot of things, mostly beers these days. (laughs) (laughs) Risks that have been hiding in plain sight. Unrealized losses on the firm's balance sheet, which is a common theme amongst all the banks that you heard fail. Mm Mm-hmm. Loaded with long-dated bonds ballooned to more than $29 billion last year. At the same time, higher interest rates are encouraging customers to move their cash out of certain accounts that underpin Schwab's business and bolster its bottom line. It's another indication that the Federal Reserve's rapid policy tightening caught the financial world flat-footed after decades of declining rates. Schwab shares have lost more than a quarter of their value since March 8th, with some Wall Street analysts expecting earnings to suffer. So therein lies a couple of things we'll talk about. Earnings season is coming up. Mm-hmm. J.P. Morgan Chase, April 14th. Banks typically in around the second and third week of April. And if earnings are bad, you better believe some of those calls. We've told people a lot of times on the show, hey, like these earnings calls are pretty interesting. Right. You better believe there's going to be some damn interesting conversations happening on earnings calls. How much money did you lose? What's... What's your unrealized? I mean, there's going to be all sorts of analyst questions about all these topics that you heard about. Mm-hmm. But people like Schwab, who who seemingly have pretty good exposure, they're going to get pinged. They got a lot of exposure here. So based on their from their website, uh, the company's nation is the nation's largest publicly traded investment services firm with around seven point three eight trillion in client assets, as Chris alluded to. That's big. So one way that com- you can estimate how much a company is worth is through their market cap, right? That's where you just take the current stock price, you multiply by the number of shares outstanding. As of today, their market cap was $96.67 billion. So just to be clear here for some of you Gen Zs and Gen Xs out there, market cap does not mean market lies. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's common so, vernacular these right. days. So we know. We... Uh, it, it's not dank to say it's uh, not market dank. cap. <laughs> it ain't ca- yeah, they're not capping. They're talking about market capitalization. Yeah, exactly. Well, one a quick way to just say how much a company is worth, even though if they were to sell the company, they'd be trade, they'd be selling at a multiple, right? Uh typically, well, in some cases, a discount. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Charles Schwab, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they got a, so they got a strong reputation, but uh, based on an article that I read from Bloomberg, uh, a lot of its revenue, Charles Schwab's revenue, comes from net interest margin, just like a bank. Mm, Nim, Nim, would you look at that? So 50% of their revenue from last year was from net interest. So to be honest with you, I did not know this about them. Yeah. I always consider them like, a, you know, an RAA, like an investment structure, like mm-hmm. they, they manage assets and they have yeah. all that. I didn't realize how important their banking business was to them. Right. And just as a recap, as a refresher we've talked about on the show before, net interest margin is the difference between the net of the interest income that you make minus the interest expense. That, that difference. That's your, that's your watered down version? Yeah. What they're paying people on loans versus what they're paying people on deposits. Yes, the okay. difference. The difference yeah. is is the net interest margin, right? I feel like mine is more watered down than yours. <laughs> okay. No cap. So a lot of their <laughs> assets are very low yielding. They have, as you mentioned, long-dated mortgage-backed securities and, and treasury securities. From their 10K that they filed, 
the average yield on their entire source of assets is 2%. Wow. That's so just, only... Just for some perspective here, mm-hmm. if you're running most banks across the country, yeah, that's your bare minimum number. Right. And that's only doable in, you know, zero interest rate environment, right? Yeah. Like typically speaking, yeah. Right? Was, because they can oof. pay the you can pay your deposits a lower interest rate and the yield you're receiving on the income is two percent. That makes sense, right? Just also as another recap, a 10K is a comprehensive report filed annually by publicly traded companies about their financial performance and is required by the SEC. I look these up all the time. And if you're listening to the podcast and you're interested at all Mm -hmm. in any of the financial stuff that we talk about, Mm -hmm. you would be probably very interested in in hearing seeing what's filed in the 10 K's and the eight K's. Yeah. And a lot of the required filings in the sec. Some of it's boilerplate. I get that, but it's really, it's really interesting stuff. If you, if you start paying attention to public companies, filings like that, Mm -hmm. and most of them have an investor relations page on their website, you can go to it, put your email in, You'll get all of the public filings as it relates to that company's SEC filings. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty cool. They're actually sent to the shareholders. They're sent to right? the shareholders. Well, not before meetings. Well, not all. It's it's kind of iffy. If you're holding like shares in a public traded company, yeah, you'll get some of those alerts through your yeah. whoever houses your investments because right. they don't have your direct email address. Mm-hmm. I find it better. Like if I like uh, a bank, right? Yeah, I'll go to their investor relations page. They'll usually have like a place where you enter your email, and then you get all the email updates mm-hmm. from the filings from that bank direct. Right, and I love that because if you know if it's like an AK that comes out or something, I want to read what that's about. I want to mm-hmm. read what's happening there. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be like me like wanting to invest in them necessarily. I just want to know what this company's doing because maybe I want to invest in the future. Exactly. So some of the information you'll get in that 10K is, you know, the history of the company, organizational structure, financial statements, mm-hmm. earnings per share, subsidiaries, and executive compensation. And that's the one that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I made the mistake today of going on um, a particular website where they talk about reviews of a company and it's it's um it's weird having very like it's weird having people be able to look up a significant portion of your income in the form of your salary for what you do mm-hmm. like it, it's different in some states like california like it, it's it's okay to talk with the company about how much you make and they have to disclose like salary ranges for positions someone can kind of ballpark what somebody makes right but imagine going to like a, a private company where you work and you know exactly how much your boss makes mm-hmm. And you have, you have, the first question you're going to ask is, is he worth it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I know. It, it's it's hard, man. It's it's hard having that much visibility into your life. I can only imagine. I mean, it, it get, it's like insight into like what some of these professional athletes get, right? Imagine you know, some guys on the team that don't that don't put out as you know as much output, and you're like, man, this guy's getting paid fifty million. So today, it, I took Jet Suite. Yeah. From and I told you this earlier. I took Jet Suite from uh, Dallas, and we stopped in Phoenix because the headwinds, the refuel. I think that's kind of bullshit. I think they, I think they wanted to stop in Phoenix because fuel is probably cheaper there than it is in John Wayne. Oh wow, that's my guess. But whatever. Okay. But the guy on the plane, literally next to me, was Clayton Kershaw. Right. I had no idea who he was. <laughs> no wait, idea. Wait. You know? Did you know the name, or you just didn't, didn't recognize the face? I knew the name, but I, I didn't recognize. I didn't put him as the guy. One of the fucking nicest guys I ever met. The one of the nicest guys. He was incredibly nice. He was so social and talking to everybody. And I honestly, he was smaller than me. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't, like, I, I'm a big dude. Like, he's I recognize. Some, he's had some bad luck in, in the postseason. Uh, he should be going down as like one of the greatest pitchers of all time. But he, he's just, like, one of the greatest, like, on-season pitchers during the regular season. 
Well, I'll say this about the guy. He he was incredibly nice, very social. Apparently, he lives in Texas. Really? And so there's a there was I guess the season opened today. I I don't know. I don't follow baseball like that. Yeah. yeah. I just I yeah. just I just watch playoff baseball from time to time. And he he wasn't like so I didn't even know until today that pitchers don't pitch every game like they pitch like they rotate oh. certain pitchers. Wait, come on, you got to know that. I didn't really know. I don't I don't dude, follow baseball, dude. Wait, I'm, wait, I'm that guy. How do you expect you expect him to? Dude, you know how how much wear and tear they get on their on their arm and their shoulder. I honestly do not know how much wear and tear they, they have get to. On their they, arms. they 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 pitch like once every five games. Okay, here's the thing. I, I play basketball. You yeah. play every game. Oh, bro, a pitcher that's just not how it works. Just you gotta you gotta run them into the no, ground. I recognize that now because I spent some time talking to the dude today, but yeah. I didn't know that then. Yeah, it's it's crazy. There's actually a really uh, cool story about him. Apparently, a couple years ago when he signed that big three hundred million dollar contract. There was a beat writer for the Dodgers that uh, wanted to have an interview with him, and he kept promising her like over time. And he said, "Okay, well, this off season, why don't you come by the house and, and we'll do it?" But the date that she picked to come over, uh, she goes over. He gets a call as they're setting up for the interview. His agent calls him and says, "Hey, the Dodgers just extended out a three hundred million dollar contract." That's a big contract, Jesus. I know. I think ten years, three hundred million or something like that. This guy was wearing Lululemon shorts, like no, like high end watch. Like, yeah, he, man. He he's such a like a you could tell he's like a humble, simple guy. He had a Tumi backpack. That's all right. he had. Right, and then she she he gets off the phone. He tells the reporter, "Oh, it looks like I'm staying with the Dodgers for another ten years. Just they offered three hundred mil over ten years." It's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Do you want to go call your wife and like celebrate? We can reschedule, do this another day. He's like, no, why don't we just do the interview first and I'll call her after. Hmm. Stud. I'm telling you, he was, he was an incredibly nice guy on the plate. He took jet sweep. Yeah. So, yeah. Who knew? <laughs> I, I, the, whole, the whole time, like, Hugo, who was with me, you know, we work with him. Right. He was with me. He was like fangirling out like hard. And I'm like, what the hell is this? He goes like every Dodger game. Right. And I'm like, what, what, is, what, is, what is going on? Oh, yeah. He's, he's kind of a big deal, dude. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been nice to know that. Oh, it looks like it was. Did I say? I thought it was three hundred mil. It looks like it was seven year, two hundred and fifteen mil. Oh, doing correct me. Yeah, I'm sorry. That doesn't make a difference in my life. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 same same numbers as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, as much as he's a nice guy mm-hmm. who says good things to good people, mm-hmm. Neil Kashkari ain't that guy. Not so nice. Yeah, he doesn't make anywhere near that money. So he's a, he's like I don't like the optimism going around here. And uh, he. Um, He's completely full of shit. That's what he is. <laughs> so Minneapolis Fed Chair Neil Kashkari, a.k.a. Cash the Reaper, mm-hmm. said, uh, fundamentally, the banking system is sound. Well, I mean, you want him to say that. Yeah, you know, he went on uh, CBS News's Face the Nation. We're going to play a little clip, a little intro clip mm-hmm. of what he had to say. And I will say, as much as I may have thought that uh, he was my people, I don't think that anymore. No? No, he's a goofy looking dude. <laughs> okay and I'm, he's only goofy because of the things that he says financially because yeah, i think he looks like a stud <laughs> <laughs> well okay. tell me if you still think that after everyone plays this clip ruin right. anytime you want the president of the federal reserve bank of minneapolis neil kashkari who joins us this morning from minnesota good morning to you good morning margaret um how stable is the U.S. banking system right now from your perspective and are you confident that the risk level we saw out in California and in New York with these failed banks doesn't exist elsewhere in the country. The banking system is resilient and it's sound. The banking system has 
a strong capital position and a lot of liquidity and has the full support of the Federal Reserve and other regulators standing behind it. Now, I'm not saying that all of the stresses are behind us. I expect this process will take some time, but fundamentally, the banking system is sound. This process, what do you mean by that? Well, when when uh, tensions flare up in the banking system and stresses emerge, uh, we often hope that they will be resolved very, very quickly. Sometimes it takes longer for all the stresses to work their way out of the system. So we know that there are other banks that have some uh, exposure to long-dated treasury bonds who have some uh, duration risk, as they call it, on their books. We also know that commercial real estate, there are a lot of commercial real estate assets in the banking sector, and there are some losses there will probably work its way through the banking sector. So that process will take time to fully become clear. But fundamentally, uh, the banking system has a lot of capital to be able to withstand those pressures. All right. Let's cut let's cut thickness here off. Okay. So here's here's a couple of problems that I want everybody out there in listener land to consider. Number one, he's trying to position this as the banking system is fundamentally sound. He said it three times. Right. He wanted that to be the message he wants to walk that to be away the message. with. But at the same time, he says that, yeah, there are some challenges out there. We'll have to work our way through. It'll take time. Challenge number one is that there are some banks out there with some unrealized gains, basically. Or unre- unrealized unrealized losses. losses. I mean, we've noted that. Okay, yeah. fine. But we just pulled up that chart from the Wall Street Journal article where it shows the entire sector is actually, in aggregate, worse than Silicon Valley Bank was. Right. I think it was like $600 billion in total, right? Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. So some banks know all banks, Chief. Let's yeah. just start with that. Right. Stress in the banking system. And, oh, this whole commercial real estate thing is going to be a problem. Yes, it is going to be a problem, Neil. <laughs> okay? It is. But not all commercial real estate. And a colleague of mine said today, and it was a very astute way of putting this, and I completely agree. When you think of single-family real estate under the regulatory definitions, you're talking about homes. Yes. Easy. You're talking about C&I real estate or C&I lending. Mm-hmm. You're talking about commercial and industrial or business loans, right? right? Simple, one type. Right. Lots of different industries, but one type. Yes. Uh, when you talk about SBA lending, government lending, mm-hmm. it's usually to businesses and sometimes on real estate, usually owner-occupied. When you say commercial real estate, that means a whole a myriad whole of different things. Lot, right? Yeah, it could be industrial lending under the regulatory definition. It could be office space lending. Mm-hmm. could be multifamily apartment lending. could be construction Lending in some cases, it's it's all in that category. It's it's a huge category, and the risk profiles are all very different. Yes, but Neil's not wrong. A lot of these things have adjustable rate mortgages or fixed short term mortgages, arm loans that are coming due. Right, and as they come due, the question is, will they be able to cash flow at today's rates? And the answer is likely to be no, if they have not been managed with the idea of increasing returns over time in the form of increasing rents. Yeah. So as we know, the Fed's tool that they're using to fight this battle against inflation, right, is raising the interest rates. And what they're trying what they've been trying to accomplish is lowering inflation down to their two percent target while still maintaining, you know, a healthy job market. No, they, uh, they want the job uh, market soft, to fail. They soft, w- yeah, but they want the job market to to come down a little only because it'll help their overall number because it'll get there faster. But they've been talking. I mean, everything they're saying is, you know, ideally we would still like a soft landing, even though they know that's probably not possible. We're going to hit a recession, right? 
here's the problem. They're juggling the idea of a soft landing and inflation, but now you got to also throw in the mix financial instability with the banks. Mm-hmm. Which they know, and, and I mean, Neil was very clear here, we know it's going to take time to work through the system. Yeah. Translated loosely, they know the pressure they're putting on banks and they've accepted it. Right. Remember, their whole function, the Fed's whole function is employment, jobs, and financial stability. Mm-hmm. So if banks go down, it's not like we could say, oh, you guys only care now because the banks are getting hurt. No, no, no. It's part of their job. It's part of their job to care about financial stability as a whole. Yeah. And one of their jobs is being a regulator of financial institutions. Yeah. And the institutions that have failed so far have largely been Fed primary regulated institutions. Yeah. So not not throwing any shade, just saying that they're firsthand front line seeing the stress in the system. Right. Anecdotally, something that we're thinking about. The regulatory requirement for stressing interest rate risk for yeah, banks it's good. It's is good. 2%. Right. If you're a bank and you're currently in a 1% interest rate environment, you're supposed to stress your portfolio up to 3%. Meaning, That's the requirement the Fed puts in place. Meaning what Chris is saying is if you're underwriting a loan that has, let's just say. No, no, no. I mean the overall, like the whole, por- the the overall whole, macro the whole portfolio. bank. Yeah. yeah, but like on, on, a, like a, on a much more simple scale, right? If you're stressing even one loan, you stress okay, it by... Yeah. You stress it by 2%, right? If you're giving somebody a loan for 3%, you want to make sure that the loan still works at 5%. Yep. The same thing goes for the whole, the entire bank as a whole. So, I mean, and that's that's fair. I mean, you no bank could have possibly imagined them raising interest rates this quickly, this fast. So then I asked the question, if you're the Fed and you know that's what you require banks to stress to, and that's part of your policy and procedure, then you had to know increasing interest rates well above that was going to be beyond what banks had contemplated in their stress testing. Yeah, they knew it was going to cause problems. They knew. Yeah. So, and I say they, I'm not, I'm not attacking the regulator per se, because I would say the regulator arm of the Fed is not the same as the policy arm mm-hmm. of the Fed. Right. And I would say that there's probably a bit of a dichotomy of interest there within the organization. Right. But certainly the regulatory arm are like, oof, this is going to be difficult for us. Absolutely. So then They're not making that decision. Let me be clear here. They're just dealing with the decision. Exactly. And now... With all this financial stability that's being caused by this, that's Chris opening another tangerine beer. Which I feel like I deserve after the week that I have had. <laughs> you do. You deserve all the beers. I deserve all of them. Yeah. Um, I'm also fat and I hate So the one thing that they're going to have to now start considering as well is that target terminal rate that they originally had set, that's got to come down, which we've already seen that it has. Well, we've seen the rhetoric around it die down to possibly one more 25 base point increase. Yes. So that's, I think that's, that's hopeful, though. I think that they're, they're hoping that inflation will come down mm-hmm. and be below their Fed target rate at some point because there's two months, obviously, to the next one. Yes. I think they're hoping for that. But unless home prices come down, I, I don't see that happening. I really don't. Right. And not, it's not just that, though. They're, I think they're going to have to revisit how long they're going to hold the rates for because they can't have financial, this financial instability. Oh, according to Bloomberg, they've, I mean, they, the Fed has said on numerous occasions mm-hmm. they're not cutting rates in 2023. Yeah, but that was all before, a majority of that was all before this, this issue with the, with the banks. Yeah, but here's my problem with this, okay? If the Fed's so worried about, quote, losing credibility, mm-hmm. they've been very firm in that, them not cutting rates in 2023. Mm-hmm. If they're that worried about losing credibility, then they may hold rates through 2023. Mm-hmm. 
Now, everybody, including Bloomberg, is predicting that they cut rates now in 2023 by July. Right. Because of the stress of the system. Mm-hmm. And this is what bothered me with the whole, you know, the Fed, you know, Chris, they're going to increase rates, this last Fed interest increase, 25 basis points. Why? Well, because they don't want the consumer to lose confidence in what they're saying and what they're forecasting. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to give the impression that we're going to hold rates and we're not going to increase them again. So they're going to increase 25 basis points, their minimum for now, just to make sure the tone is set so the consumer doesn't lose confidence. That's what bothered me about that argument. Mm-hmm. They have always given a caveat that they are very data-driven. If there's one thing that we know, the consumer's not paying attention to the Fed. Because when they were doing all that 75 basis point rate hike, consumers didn't give a shit. They're they still, got blindsided by that they, shit. They were still out there spending. Yeah, and they still are. Yeah. So let's go back to Neil Kashkari. <sighs> Don't like him. <laughs> this guy. Let's go back to Neil Kashkari's statement about how there's commercial real estate impacts that are in the books the balance sheets of these banks. Mm-hmm. According to the real deal, debt on Blackstone's buildings, 47% more than the portfolio is worth. Holy cow. Yeah, that, 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 therein lies a problem, kids. That is a problem. So I know you're saying, well, Chris, how big of a problem is that? Well, Saeed, I'm happy to explain. Two months after a $271 million Blackstone loan secured by 11 Manhattan multifamily buildings went to special servicing, meaning that they defaulted and the special servicer is now taking over because they're no longer making payments according to their loan documents. Moody's downgraded the CMBS, the commercial mortgage-backed security debt, Mm -hmm. citing cash flow that wouldn't cover the debt service. And if the property is cash flow short, yes, meaning that it's not enough to meet the debt service needs. That means that the properties were overvalued because the main valuation for these properties is the income approach to value. Yes. Right? How much money can this generate? Well, if it's generating less money and it can't support the debt, that means the properties are overvalued. And if the bank were to foreclose in this particular set of circumstances, take the property over, they would have to sell it for less Oh my gosh! than they originally financed it for. Right, and in some cases, when it's cash flow negative like this, it's not a good thing because you need someone to who's going to buy it from you. Unless they're going to buy it in cash, they're going to get a loan. Mm-hmm. That loan will be based on the cash flow that it generates, and they hit a certain debt service coverage ratio minimum, right? Because mm-hmm. it's an inverse relationship. So, yeah, they're about forty-seven percent underwater here. Yeah, I mean that's they're and they're a giant in the private equity space. Right, they are, and if they have eleven Manhattan multifamily buildings, that's uh, with a two hundred and seventy-one million dollar loan mm-hmm. secured by all these buildings. Right, that's telling. It is telling. So they're actually in. They're actually in the news for for some more stuff too. So yeah, they are. Post post pandemic, they've been on a massive buying spree of rental housing, in mm-hmm. particular. Over the past two years, they've added over two hundred thousand housing units to its investment portfolio. These are single family residences, right? Yep. And what they're doing is they were They were largely one of the biggest institutional buyers in the market. So anytime you were trying to buy a home and you lost to an institutional buyer, mm-hmm. yeah, these guys. They made, so they made, and lately they've been ramping up on their evictions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, a report from NBC showed that one in three people in San Diego spend half their income on rent. Okay. California <laughs> rent control maximum rent increase is 10% per year. Um, and is occupied if it's occupied by the same tenant, but in San Diego they've experienced increases of forty to sixty percent after getting evicted. 
So this is their portfolio, mm-hmm. right? So this was this was something that they advertised to their investors. Blackstone has advertised to his investors that a structural shortage of housing has resulted in pricing power for rental housing assets, and that rents are growing above the rate of inflation. Yeah, yeah, probably not a good statement to put out there. Yeah, not a good statement to put out there to its investors. And what do you think that's going to do to the shelter component? Of, not good of CPI and PCE, which PCE is coming out tomorrow, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that that's gonna be that that's it that's that sets it back and only makes that aspect of the reports that much stickier. Rent or rent equivalent is over thirty two percent. I think somebody said it was thirty four percent. That was me. Share the date it's coming out according to Arun. He typed it on the main. You know, Arun, you can just chime in on these things. You yeah, don't you have can... to like write notes and like secretly send it to us. Just chime in. Yeah, you'd be like send that mic on. It's actually gonna be on the thirty first. Talk to us, Arun. Yeah, so it's coming out on yeah, we're recording. <laughs> we're recording this episode as of, as of the thirtieth. So, are we? And it's it probably will... past midnight right now. <laughs> we're close. Yeah. yeah, we're close. So, yeah, it comes out tomorrow. And when it does, if rent and rent equivalent has moved up across the country, in addition to values not coming down on homes for the rent equivalent portion of it, mm-hmm. don't expect to see a significant drop off or decrease in inflation. Uh, you'll see other things come down, certainly, mm-hmm. but if those haven't changed, it's probably not going to move. Anecdotally, did you see that uh, article I sent you today about the mansion tax? I did. I oh, I tried to open it. I don't. I don't subscribe. To so the, in Los tax. Angeles County, if you sell a property, they call it a mansion tax because people think about it as their homes, but it's not. Doesn't differentiate between commercial real estate and single family real estate. Yeah. In Los Angeles, if you sell a property worth more than five million dollars, mm-hmm. you now, as a seller, have to pay a five percent tax. So wild. What if you sold a property and you lost money on it? You still have to pay tax on it, five percent. And if it's over ten million, it's five point five percent. So you're almost better off if you're like close to that, you know, that threshold. Just sell it below five million. So Arun pulled the article from the Hollywood Reporter. Ultra wealthy get gimmicky to sell houses before April first. Mansion tax. This goes into effect in two days. Right? Sounds like a big deal. There's a problem. I'm. Just a guy in the business, happen to be an attorney. Okay. So don't shoot the messenger here. Right. All the consumers across Los Angeles County were pitched this as we're going to create billions of dollars of revenue. It's going to be amazing. 5%, 5.5% if it's over $10 million. All these, all these properties trade. Number one, you're driving business out of Los Angeles right there. Yeah. Number two, if you think the wealthy are going to pay this tax, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. Most of these properties are owned in the form of an LLC. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to sell the, the the property. They're going to sell the LLC that owns the property. Title will never change, right? And you're not getting a tax. <laughs> exactly. That's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So for people to, oh right. my God, I'm going to. This is going to be a windfall for Los Angeles. No, so it was a are, gimmick. Are, Y'all got sold. Stop buying yeah, into these the hype. Are, these are the loopholes. So explain. Maybe we should break that down a little bit better for for the listeners. All right. So LLCs are the preferred ownership vehicle for investment real estate. Why, Chris? Because it gives you better passive income tax benefits, right? Mm-hmm. So, in effect, you could write off a lot, of, a lot more of the passive income than you could if you had an active income vehicle like a Schedule C or on your personal return. And limits the liability. And limits the liability. But better still, let's say you, Saeed, own an LLC mm. called Harry Booty LLC. Oh, my favorite booty. Your favorite, your favorite LLC. So, you rent a home from Harry Booty LLC. Okay. Which you also own. 
And you pay rent to Harry Booty LLC. Oh, so it's like a pocket. It's from one pocket to the other pocket. Yeah. You can write that rent off. Wow. Now, the LLC gets the benefit of depreciation, of amortization. There's all sorts of benefits if you do it right and you talk to your CPA. But having an LLC like that and renting to yourself. 100% legitimate and legal. 100% legitimate and legal. Known tax tax strategy. It's very common. Mm-hmm. Now, you, I mean, it would serve you better if you had a corporation that was renting it from the LLC and you structure it accordingly, right? Right. But if you do that, it's an, it's an amazing windfall opportunity for a business owner. So my LLC, Harry Booty LLC, mm-hmm. owns this property that's worth more than $5 million. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to pay this 5% tax. So I say, hey, Chris, do you really want to buy this property? I do, yeah. How badly do you want to buy it? Bad enough to be the owner of Harry Booty LLC. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to first need you to get a tattoo of Harry Booty. No, I'm not going to do that. I yeah. just laser hair removal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But effectively, you would sell me your ownership in an LLC. Yes. So rather than selling me real estate and going through title and escrow and appraisal and all those things, mm-hmm. we would go through an escrow. There wouldn't be any title change because the title would be the same. It would still be owned by Harry Booty LLC. Right. And you would sell me 100% of your 100% ownership in Harry Booty LLC, and I would become the member and the manager. But now just the the lender, how does it work with the lender? Because now the ownership of the LLC does change, so mm-hmm. how does that how does that affect it? Now, if I remain manager or anything, would does that does that matter? What do you mean? Like a, you... Zero, a zero percent manager of the LLC? No, 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 no. It would it would be because you would... that is would that be a technical event of default if the ownership of the LLC changes? No, it would it would just be contemporaneous with close that mm-hmm. you would be the owner manager of the llc yeah the now keep in mind a lot of the banks that finance this stuff it's not going to be like you're going through wells fargo chase b of a through like their 1-800 number got it you're gonna have a private banking you're gonna have more of a, a, a complex background of people right. that dealing with you it's not going to be as like hey man i need a mortgage exactly you know it's going to be it's going to be a more complex network than that but that being said it's going right. to be contemporaneous with close you give us executed perhaps, and perhaps documents a, perhaps a switzerland bank <laughs> Credit Suisse. Yeah, Swiss. <laughs> Deutsch. No, uh, probably not one of those. But uh, keep in mind, this is, this is you know, confined to Los Angeles for right now, but this is the highest tax in the country for, for real estate sales. Right. It, it's, it's driving a lot of business out of the, out of the country. It's, it's, it's very bizarre. Very, what very else bizarre. is bizarre? That's your segue. Oof. Come on. I told you you were off, man. That, that, that was weak. That was weak. That Thank was you, weak. Bro. I'm off. I, I'm, I'm trying to go in further on Harry Booty LLC, and Chris is just not giving it to me. Because I don't have a hairy booty. You, yeah. <laughs> but we by covered the, but, this. But by the look of your face, it looks like you have the hairiest of hairy booties. <laughs> so while I was in Texas, we went and visited a, a branch out there. Somebody told you you had a hairy booty. No, stop. And why would you stop? I'm <laughs> throwing you off, baby. <laughs> no, man. And we went to go visit a group. Okay. And I happened to mention, like, oh, yeah, you know, we have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should listen. Okay, about that. Um <laughs> Uh, before you do there's some things we should probably discuss yes if you're not comfortable with hearing about my laser hair move on my ass yeah or um hearing me cuss a lot right this is probably not the show for you no see we don't we don't have sponsors to worry about offending (laughs) yeah not yet so because of that we kind of say whatever we want whenever we want right and it may be a little inflammatory (laughs) just a little a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we had that conversation, and uh, I think we have some new listeners. We do have some new listeners. Yeah, probably gonna be very offended when they hear some of these episodes. <laughs> like, 
Apologize. Did he talk about his farts sounding more moist? Oh, no. no. Yes, we didn't did. talk about that. Yes, we did. You just did now, though. <laughs> I did. Yeah. We talked about it on the show, didn't Come we? Come on, man. Keep it 80 20. What did Apple do? Yeah. So, Apple, um, I like Apple. I really do. I'm, I'm, I hold their stock. I've held it for a long time through, I think, two splits now. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Apple launched a credit card, I was like, you know, eh, okay. Yeah. Fine. I, seems a little outside their scope, but. All right. That's when they linked up with Goldman Sachs to do that, right? They linked up with Goldman Sachs to do that. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm. maybe this is just going to help them develop some kind of program to get you on subscription paid services for stuff they're doing. And they're running a lot of stuff through subscriptions now, you know, whatever. Right. And I was like, yeah, it, make, you know, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then we heard they're going to be rolling out a buy now, pay later service. Yeah, man. I don't like it. I don't like it. So, it, with their buy now pay later service, basically what it is, they're gonna be, you're gonna be able to split purchases into four payments. There will be no interest, no fees. Users can apply for it to, from fifty dollars to a thousand dollars. Still don't like it. It can be used online for in-app purchases that accept Apple Pay. So I I, I read somewhere this being called Apple Pay Later service. Apple Pay Later service, which yeah. to me is just Apple being greedy assholes. Yeah, I don't like it. You don't need to do this, Apple. Why? Yeah. It was like more than like 75% of users with an Apple iPhone have activated Apple Pay. What? That's fucking crazy. Really? Yeah. So this has really like brought a scare into... Uh, wow, Arun pulled up a fucking... Wow, that's how they're doing it? That's actually pretty slick. Subject to minimum age requirements and approval. Available only in the U.S., not available uh, in U.S. territories, Hawaii, North Carolina, New Mexico, Nevada, or Wisconsin. Loans made by Apple Financing, LLC. NMLS number? Come on. 215-4940. California residents loan, uh, residence loans made or arranged pursuant to California Financing Law License. Wow. Yeah. Apple has an NMLS number now? If they get into home financing, just like, fuck it. Just the whole world is going to be owned by Apple yeah, at some point. Yeah, there's no way, dude. Elizabeth Warren going to come after him. Wow. I, I don't like this at all, man. Yeah. What's the, what are the next slides show? This, this is an interesting screenshot. Get a, wow. You got little, right little arrows. There you go, yeah. Oh, man. They even show you a calendar of like how you pay on total what, pay, like, total on what, remaining. On they what they dates. make it as easy as possible. Well, they're, I mean, they're trying Jesus. to make it seem as easy as possible, but it's just, it kind of gives me like, from the next line gives me vibes oh, of okay. uh, like saying. Tesla. What they do is they show you in big bold the price that it, you the the cost of the car with so the re- slick right with, with the rebate. Yeah, the stinky bastards. When I bought a Tesla, I was like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 what's this? Yeah, wait, I thought my car was gonna be oh, and then fine. They're like, print. no, 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 no. So we took your rebate and we yeah. amortized that over the cost of your payment. So your actual payment is a little higher than that. Yeah. But if you include your rebate and amortize it over your payments in aggregate, that that's effectively what your payment. And also the, like, amount whoa, whoa, whoa. Money, the amount of money you'd be saving on gas yeah, over the time. Yeah, that was some but, shifty shit. <laughs> bro. Was, oh my god, like, Elon Musk be mind fucking. Yeah, <laughs> like he's getting all the blame. Yeah, just <laughs> shifty, shifty. Right. Well, <sighs> yeah, I uh, I'm not a big fan of buy now pay later. If you can avoid that at all costs, please do that. I, I recognize it's not for everybody. But I don't like the idea of instant gratification. That's why buy now, pay later is a huge payment default rate. Well, especially especially if you're targeting products like from fifty dollars to a thousand dollars. What demographic are you really targeting? Yeah, that's not good, man. I don't like how it. it well, they're gonna go after some of these like young kids. 
Well, yeah, there's age restrictions, but yeah. 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 I'm, it's not, not, I'm talking about like, yeah. People mm. that don't know how to manage their credit. I don't like it. Right. I don't like it at all. What I do like, however, is an opportunity to say that Dave Ramsey is again wrong. Wrong. So I read earlier today on a separate article, which is not in the show notes, that uh, home prices have been falling for seven straight months now. Mm-hmm. Which just makes me feel all warm and cozy. Well, this on a thread I saw earlier, mortgage applications to buy a house just dropped 39% year over year in March. This was the worst March performance since 1995. Wow. That's a long time, kids. Mm-hmm. Almost 30 years ago. Difficult to see how a recovery in housing is occurring with this data. This is because the heels of uh, reports that were coming out a couple of weeks ago was that February had a massive application increase. Yeah. Well, it doesn't appear to be Pen- so. But the report came out, I think it was today, that pending home sales are actually up mm-hmm. 0.8% month over month. Not Obviously, nothing huge. This is the beginning of you know, the spring season where there, you would expect an increase in home sales. So this is yeah, actually, but month over month in my mind is not indicative of, of a significant enough rise. No, definitely, definitely not. It's just, I mean, this is like a, a soft, very soft increase because like, you got to remember at the end of the day, inventory is still incredibly low, right? Sell, there, there's no incentive for people to sell more than 90% of people with mortgages out there have mortgages with under 6% rates. Mm-hmm. So there's not a real incentive for, for them to sell. And this, these are the markets. So in the Northeast, it, it actually went up 6.5%. Midwest, up 0.4%. The South, 0.7%. But in the West, down so 2.4%. This highlights two things. Number one, we talked about on previous shows that we thought it was moving from the West Coast to the East Coast over time. Yes. And if you look at the trend here, West Coast down. Midwest up a little bit. Yes. East Coast up a little bit more than that. Right. I think this will spread that way, certainly, and you're mm-hmm. going to see that impact. And number two thing that it highlights is this is why you get the dichotomy of statements on social media. Right. Bro, real estate's great. We're crushing it. Well, you're probably on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, we've seen a slowdown in the market, but it's still good. You're probably in the Midwest. Right. Man, mar- the fucking real estate market sucks. People are losing money left and right. You're probably in the West Coast. Right. And that's not actually common. It typically works from the coast inward. So it typically would go New York, Florida, and then California, and then they'd be impacted first, and they would go to the Midwest, and then it would start to grow in the Midwest and come back out to the, to right. the coast. And it's not really working that time, which mm-hmm. brings up an interesting point that I wasn't going to bring up on the show, but I've been diving into this recently a lot. Mm-hmm. I am not a student of recessionary economies the way I would like to be. I, I'm interested in them. I like knowing about them. There's a lot of history there that I, I'm I'm up to date with, mm-hmm. but I don't know the different types of recessions that much. Okay, like I don't know. I can't. I I dif- like differentiate as much as I would like to. Oh, okay. A new term that that came came to my attention recently was a uh, rolling recession. You familiar with this term? I've heard. I've heard it. So effectively, it rolls and affects different industries over time. So instead of the entire economy being under the same type of pressure, yes, it rolls into certain industries. So tech right. and finance into banking, into, you know, uh, real estate. So Arun pulled it up right now on Wikipedia. Thank you. Very timely. A rolling recession or rolling adjustment recession occurs when the recession only affects certain sectors of the economy at a time. Mm -hmm. As one sector enters recovery, the slowdown will roll into another part of the economy. Mm -hmm. On the whole, rolling recessions occur regardless of nationwide or statewide economic recession and the effects 
may not be in the national economic measures. So mm-hmm. gross domestic product, GDP. Right. That's a very important like, characteristic here to define this. Right. The effects may not be in the national economic measures. National Bureau of Economic Research, if anybody for you, you know, works for you listening to this show, yeah. we see you. Yeah, we need y'all to start like responding. The recession in, of 1960 to 1961 in the United States is an example of a rolling adjustment recession. Mm-hmm. So this sounds a lot like what I feel like we're going through right now. Really? And it's not affecting all markets the same. And we have these things like a strong job market. Even now, according to CNBC, jobless claims edge up to 198,000, higher than expected. This after a 500,000 plus job print, right? A 311,000 job number print, right? And now 198, still higher than expected. Mm-hmm. Jobless claims for the week ending March 25th totaled 198,000, up 7,000 from the previous period, and a bit higher than the 195,000. Estimate. The Fed's going to want this number to get closer to like 300,000. Oh, this is a huge yeah. part of the Fed decision. Yeah. Huge part. Yeah. This is like real the, time. Like your booty of the Fed decision. <laughs> this is my booty? Yeah. You got a big booty, bro. You a pair. But you, you felt skinny it. up top. You felt it. And you think, no, I know it's thick and muscular and all that stuff. I'm just yeah. saying, like, deadlifts on point. You got to understand that you got to either get implants. Why? Up top. Why? To match the bottom, you are no, very no, off. No, no, I'm like I gotta, I gotta, we gotta. No, I'm like, I'm like a sprinter, baby. That's that's what no, happens. Okay, stop. Okay, sprinters. You said I'm, you said you I'm thin up. To, you said I'm thin up top, and I'm stacked. No, no, no. I meant like you said I'm stacked below the waist. A disproportionate Wait, amount of mass was, down you, below. Did you say I was stacked below the waist? Is that below what you said? the I did not say stacked in that reference. I'm talking about from the back. Oh, from the back, not the front. I know you're gonna pull this whole physiology geometry thing. The back supports the front. It's not. <laughs> it's not like that. All I'm saying to you is this: It's like, look, how do I remain upright? How do you make me? I can I can answer that for you easily. Okay. Okay. Like your booty sticks out far in the back. Uh, yeah, but so <laughs> I'm not going here. I got too. I got too many it's loved like ones. You I lean got, forward when you walk. I got too many loved ones listening to this. Too many relatives listening to this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Exactly. Tell so, them how big you are, Saeed. <laughs> you were talking. I'm sure, about... I'm sure your family members want to hear this. Go ahead. Kids, <laughs> you see soccer practice want to hear. Go ahead. You know I mean? uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't be rocking them gray sweats, you know, for a reason, you know what I mean? So I wear those all the time. And dude, apparently it's a thing. I'm just finding out about it. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. What my yeah. wife's like, you can't be rock- going out rocking gray sweats. You're sending out different kind of vibes. I do that with no underwear on all the time. <laughs> not because I'm trying to send out a vibe, because yeah. I just don't I generally do not like underwear. But I feel society forces what? me to wear it. You You're lying. I don't like underwear. I have never walked out of the house without underwear on. Wow, I do it all the time. Free ball? All the time. Seriously, if if you come you're to my house, you're not afraid. You're not. You know, I'm gonna test this, right? I'm gonna. If you come to my house, I'm a pansy now. If I'm you a, come to my house at any given time, and I'm walking around in like shorts, there is an overwhelming probability there's no underwear on any of the shorts. That's, when I'm home, you, I like to be free. And you you ask me all the time, what? Why don't you come over more often? Is this why? <laughs> I can tell this is why. I know it's, you. Just, it's just a thing, man. Like I just like. When you get home, do you take your keys out of your pocket and put everything by the door? Oh, I, that's one of my biggest pet peeves. I hate walking with things in my pockets. Right? Why? Yeah. It just bothers me. Okay. You like the freedom. Like, you, the freedom of having stuff out of your pockets, yeah, right? I do. I, 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 I get this because I, I'm not the type that likes to wear, like, undershirts under, like, my dress shirts. Mm-hmm. I like to just put the dress shirt on. That's weird, too. It, a lot of people. See, I don't like the, the tight, like, T-shirt underneath my dress shirt. It makes you feel, like, snug. Like, no, you get hugs. No. 
What? You don't? Like, I don't like t-shirts under my dress shirts, but I wear like the traditional wife beaters because I like the See, I, like I, the I didn't want to say, you can't be calling them that. It's 2020. Is, is, is that not an appropriate term anymore? Oh, you call it a wife beater. What do you That's mean? what I called them growing up. That, that, that's that, what, I mean, everyone knows. And everyone the, knows it. Wait, what's, what's the appropriate term? Can you help me tank out Tank top, bro. Is it tank top? Is Undershirt. It, women wear tank tops. Dudes Under, don't wear tank undergarment. tops. Undergarment. It's, for you, it's a bra. Okay. <laughs> so I like to wear bras underneath my dress shirts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wife beater in fashion today. Today, the wife beater is the go-to undershirt of many people and even fashion garment for both men and women on its own right. And as an undershirt, the fact that the wife beater tank top is, fuck, it is a tank top. It's tank it's top. It's thin and yeah. form-fitting, makes it perfect to wear under your clothes. Okay, so I, I wear tank tops. <laughs> I apologize. I, I Again, I'm not up to date on the proper vernacular here. I wear tank tops under my, my dress shirts. <laughs> Oh. AKA a bra. AKA a bra. <laughs> Chrissy rocking them bras. Yeah. yeah. Double days. Arun, do you wear tank tops? Uh, no. No. What do you wear underneath dress shirts? Nothing. Yeah, Odin doesn't rock dress shirts. Wow. You're from home. So if I'm free balling, are you free titting? <laughs> well done. <laughs> Is that what's happening? Yeah, I like what you did there. Well I never done. liked that. Right. I never liked the idea of that. Uh, so you you mentioned a rolling recession. All right. Let's get back on track. That's going to be difficult for you to do right now. Yeah. I was actually on jobs, but. But yeah, yeah. It, I mean, we were we were talking about. You want to cover more about 198 thousand people lost their jobs? Uh, I was on one, one more point I want to read. Okay. The final GDP reading for the fourth quarter of 2022 showed the economic economy grew 2.6 percent annualized rate in the fourth quarter. Yes, and the upcoming, rep- I think the report for Q1 is coming out next month. Yes, in the beginning month. of next month, next right? Month. Yeah. So again, GDP growth being negative would be a good thing to start start putting pressure on the Fed. About interest rates, exactly, and them seeing that okay, we are experiencing some. We are shrinking. Yeah, yeah, some contraction. So another another term that you can expect to see start floating around again. I know we've talked about it previously. Is stagflation? Shit! Somebody said that to me. Literally, I'm not fuck. I really want to give you this compliment, but I talked to a very prominent, uh, high up person at the Fed, Federal mm-hmm. Reserve, and we were kind of going over philosophy and theory. And his response when we I started talking about rolling recessions. Was it sounds a lot like stagflation? Yeah, so we got I got a lot on a lot on that for you here. So damn it, Saeed. definition of <laughs> cheap economists, baby. They got to yeah. do this. I wrote click the bottom. I'll go back. There's a great chart there. I the bottom it. left one there, right there. That that's a great chart. I've used that a lot when talking about it stagflation. Is so the definition of stagflation, right, is high inflation during a recessionary economy. Okay, three things that happen during during this time. There's economic stagnation. Okay, there's high inflation. And there's rising unemployment. So the best way that I've seen this paraphrased is a recessionary economy is typically when GDP is down, unemployment is up, and demand is down. Mm-hmm. But when inflation is also going up, that's stagflation. Exactly. So that's like the worst of both worlds, right? So Because when you have inflation, with, which is what we've experienced this past year, right? Prices of everything are rising, but the economy is also growing. And unemployment is falling, so the job market's strong. So it's like you can, people aren't noticing the inflation as much, even though they're spending more on their credit cards, and it's just that they're just going on with everything, right? I have a different economic term for that. This kind of economy, I don't know why stagflation is such a big thing. I like to call it fucking up. Fuck <laughs> yeah, we people, are fucking up. People are fucking up. But when you have a recession, a recession, recession. <laughs> when you when you have a recession and uh, the economy's hurting, which what we're predicting we're going into, right? And unemployment is going to start rising, and you know, that's when you start going through the the, the tough times. I mean, every recession that I've lived through has been that way. Okay, here <laughs> we go. 
<laughs> yeah, it does not think that. Title of the show. Yeah. What? Title of the show, Resation. Resation. The problem is, is if, if we send it off to post, and they don't listen to the show, which we know they don't do sometimes, <laughs> they're going to correct my Resation and be Recession. Right. Every once in a while, they don't get my witty titles. Right. Bastards. Bastards. All right. Well, as much as I know it upsets you, there's some turmoil in the crypto world that we need to talk about. And I know I know how close and near and dear to your heart uh, cryptocurrency is. Yeah. And, and I know how much you respect CZ, Do the not. CEO of Binance. Or Binance. This guy doesn't answer to nobody. If you're Dr. Doom. Well, Binance, crypto exchange, and CEO CZ, both individually in the company, are being sued by a U.S. regulator. Mm -hmm. Binance Holdings, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, and CEO Changpeng Zhao were sued by a U.S. regulator for allegedly breaking trading and derivatives rules. Mm -hmm. This regulator, which not everybody knows, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, also known as the CFTC, said Binance, uh, is it shirked? Mm -hmm. Shirked its obligations? By or? not properly registering with it. So something else, it's not just Can you this. Google the word shirked for me real quick? It's not, it's not, it's not just this. That they're, basically what they're doing is they're claiming Binance encourages their users to use VPNs to get around regulatory requirements. Shirk to avoid or neglect a, do, a duty or responsibility. Mm -hmm. Stop shirking me, bro. I'm not shirking you. Okay, just checking. But I, I did not know that word. That's so they're word so they're encouraging their their users to use a VPN to get around the, you know regulatory requirements. Yeah. So I'll say this: I I don't know how much this really impacts Binance because I believe the majority of their business is not in the United States. Yes. And they are not a U.S. based company, so if anything, they just stop doing business in the U.S. Right. But what was what was interesting about this is at the time when I was reading it. You would think that who's like their number one competitor, uh, Coinbase. Uh, probably yeah. I the mean, US. they're the largest exchange. Binance is the largest exchange for cryptocurrency. Yeah, we know that in the U.S. It's, it's Coinbase, but Coinbase is subject to U.S. laws. But mm -hmm. they have their troubles too. Right. Yeah, but apparently their value didn't even move after after this came out. So I don't know how much damage this is really going to do. Top 10 alternatives to Binance. Number one, Coinbase Exchange. Number two, Uphold. Number three, uh, Polynex. Who's using this stuff? I don't know. KuCoin. KuCoin. Local Bitcoins. That sounds like a local meetup group. Yeah. Nice Hash. Come on. High BTC and CEX.io. Okay, so all these suck except for crypto. Coinbase. The, uh, if you remember correctly, too, the chair of the SEC said that every cryptocurrency, with the exception of Bitcoin, it falls under the laws of securities. I, why doesn't Bitcoin fall under the I laws of securities? I know. Why? Why are they? Because they're a they, finite number? They, they classify them as a commodity. Uh, that's because they're finite in nature, but then I get down to this whole, like, do you really know who started Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. No, you don't. Right. Do you really know that they're finite in nature? Mm -hmm. No, you don't. Right. What are we doing here? Come on. Just trust me, America. What are, what's their value at? Odin, can you can you Google the value of Bitcoin right it now? It went down a little bit today. Did it? It went down 5% today to 27,000 last I checked. How much Bitcoin you hold? Me? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Oh, uh, like 
one half of one or something just, like that. Just to be able to say that you got some. Yeah, twenty eight thousand eighty five dollars and thirty cents. Mm. Yeah, and they were down five percent of the day at one point, down to twenty seven thousand, I think. So, yes, yeah. and they they rallied up so far to point one eight percent up. Yeah, it was not like a big day. Interesting. I think as the banking system stabilizes and the Fed rolls out, that'll probably be not a big deal. So. Um, we're going to pull up an article here from Forbes Advisor. Ooh, Forbes, questionable right there. Binance is one of the world's most widely used cryptocurrency exchanges, and for good reason. Its rock-bottom fees and extensive array of cryptos make it appealing to traders of all stripes. So let me ask you. So they, they encourage their users to use uh, a VPN. Uh, I know VPNs are really popular. Do you have a VPN? Uh, no, I don't. It's supposed to help you stay more secure in your network, right? I have one on my phone for like uh, mobile surfing and stuff like that. Like ExpressVPN or it came from AT and T. It was like a, oh. like, but I it slows you, everything the do you fuck feel, down. Oh, man. I was gonna ask you. Do you find it has VPNs have like a you know good value? I mean, I, I guess from a security perspective, it probably does. And if it wasn't, if I wasn't such an impatient bastard, I'd probably use it a lot more often. Yeah, anything that slows down my phone, I'm like, I'm it out. just it's not not worth it. Yeah, you know, that's no. the problem. Is it slows everything down because it's basically acting as a filter, like it's reviewing your stuff and right. I, I don't I don't want that in my life. Yeah. I want to be unfiltered. Yeah. Do you? Um, unfiltered Chris is the best guy. Unfil- are you going to be unfiltered this weekend? You got a big weekend ahead of you. My son's birthday? Yeah. Man, so this originally started as, let's see if we can get like one of those places where the kids can go to and jump around like the trampoline park. Oh, yeah. It's right? interesting you said we're looking at the same thing for Adam. But apparently a lot of them won't do like midday anymore because they don't want to miss out on the business. So it's got to be like 6 to 9 p.m. Oh, that's not true. Nope. That's my wife. You just called a liar, so you can deal with that. No, maybe the ones she called. I don't know, because you guys are on the expensive side of town. Wow, that's yeah. that's very elitist. <laughs> well, in any event, uh, my wife uh, didn't think that the opportunities that she uh, that she could get were the ones that she wanted, so we're doing it at the park again. And mm-hmm. if you recall from last year, we tend to do this pretty big. So big, we need a park. Chris ended up with a scar. Yeah, I scarred my forehead. Sliding down face first on a vinyl jump house slide for no other reason than I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, that scar lasted most of the year. It's on a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> I, I thought it wasn't going to go away yeah. for a long time. I was like, shit, <laughs> I'm permanently scarred from sliding down a bounce house slide yeah. at first uh, in front of a lot of people. So this year she rented uh, another bounce house, a big one with a huge ball pit. And then in like this like globe thing, you go inside. Mm-hmm. She's been working for weeks weeks she did an amazing job last year though on a wreck it ralph themed thing we've got this this year we're not doing oh you know it's interesting so we normally get like uh tons of boba and and have like these like boba drinks for I everybody yeah you had last year yep yeah um there's a shortage of something going on none of the boba places could, could sell us all their stuff really they said if they did they'd shut down for the day so oh. we couldn't even get like all the, the boba we normally they get. shut down for the day they, they would have to in order to get us like the amount to pay for a full day's worth of Mobus? No, no. So normally they would they'd be able to sell it to us and they'd stay open themselves because they have enough mm-hmm. supply. They don't have enough supply. Yeah. So they couldn't sell to us in the volumes that we needed. So she ordered a ton of pizza this year as opposed to us doing like what we did. I think we did like a like a, like a taco guy or taco something. Like guy. That. Yeah. yeah, last year. So yeah, we she's uh, changing it up, but it, it she I, if you look at my Amex bill right now, it's like Michaels, Michaels, like six hundred twenty dollars in pizza. Um, Costco, Michaels, and Jeez. It, it's like bounce house this and this that rental party rental that, and I'm just like fuck. Yeah, it's it's gonna be wild. The so, good thing about those those trampoline parks too, though, is like you get the kids tired out, you're there for two hours, and then you're out. 
done. Yeah. This I'm gonna be get there at seven AM. Yep. Reserve the park. You'll be there all day. I'll be there all day. We'll set up most of the day. Get all that stuff there. I mean, we filled up in the entire park last time. So then, and then you're also buying them presents. You buying me presents? No, my wife is doing the whole like. Um, so I'll, I'll be candid. Our our son is probably spoiled. I mean, all, all of our kids, right? Yeah, but my kid is just like um, my wife and I. We didn't have like the opportunity growing up to have a lot of things, right? You know, and then I, and we're in a position now where we can give our kids these things. Mm-hmm. And money is not as a primary focus as it was for our parents. Yeah. So we can buy things on a whim where our parents probably couldn't. Right. And we bought a lot of things for him. So much so he's got gifts in unwrapped downstairs from the last year still. Oh, I know. We so, do that we do that too, where all the presents that he gets, we take off half of them and they just disperse it over the year. Like, you also got this for your birthday. You got remember you got the you, yeah. you can't give it all at once. It's too much. But then it's it's piled up so much now that we have a storage unit full of like toys and stuff for him. We have all I mean it's it's ridiculous. So this year my wife's like, look, just just give us money. We'll put in like a college fund for him if you want to. But she's like, no gifts is pretty much her position. Oh, I love that. So we're not we're not really entertaining the idea of gifts this year. Yeah, my my thing, my new thing that I, I like to do for kids that I want to give presents to is like give them uh, some stock. I guess there's a company called Stockpile where you can buy a kid a stock and you give the parents like it, it comes on a card. Mm, no kidding. Yeah. You, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that, but it's an interesting theory. Yeah, and then I like actually, it. I just and you then know. you could also, if if you want to take it a step further, they'll print you out like a stock certificate so that they can hang in the room. Hmm. And it has their name, and it says, um, like you know, Carter owns one stock in Nike. My problem is that is I think that that's gonna get mostly lost. But I think the point of it is more so to teach them something down the road, right? Like. The whole purpose behind it, if it's hung up in the room, maybe it'll send a different kind of message. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not saying no. It'll, I'm just spark, saying like, it'll spark conversation. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have stock for our son. I just don't tell him about it. <laughs> you just want to? Yeah. Have you ever thought about how you're going to tell him about it? Yeah. See this money, son? You can't <laughs> touch this unless I bless it. <laughs> Until I die. <laughs> no, we got a fund for him. I mean, instead of doing a 529 plan, we just invested a bunch of stock and we continue to do it every year. That's what we did. Um, I think I put... 26,000 more into his account this year. Yeah. So yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. So you um, haven't thought about like how or when you're going to like tell him about it and Nah, not yet. He's four, man. We got time. No, I know. But I mean time. like when's the right time, you know? Otherwise um, he, he's going to be like uh foaming at the mouth. I feel like when he's like 17, 18, it's probably the right time when he's thinking about college. Mhm. Look, you know, we have this. What yeah. do you want to do with life? That's where you have like the what do you feel like you want to do now conversation? Exactly. Which could change, you know. Yeah. You never know. But uh, things are changing in the economy. <laughs> and uh, I'll do people, nothing, really. You're going to attack me. I, you're was, gonna, I was waiting for you to call him out you're gonna You're going to let that shit slide? And you're not oh, going to let... A, that's the third time he's done this. <laughs> his, his transitions are garbage, too. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, garbage. <laughs> garbage. That, that seemed a little hostile. Honestly, I think it's hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> why uh, what was that i he brought up the bob Iger disney thing and i was like i'm gonna go into this but i transitioned how, to personal stuff how are you gonna i know you the problem is you brought it to personal too way before the end this is a great article to talk about yeah we're an hour and 13 and we got plenty of time we i wanted to go into the bob Iger thing man yeah, you could well, this wasn't 
this bro, wasn't what? as brutal how as are you the segue this shit this wasn't as bro, brutal it's easy. you were literally just talking about carter you talk he goes to disneyland what two three times a week boom oh man got you there he hasn't gone to disneyland in the last couple of weeks actually because he has a sty in his eye oh really yeah well i thought it was pink eye so, so wait, okay. what's a sty basically like the duct in your eye gets like clogged and it gets swollen oh aria was born with that so she was born. So when Arya was born, um, her tear duct was closed. Yeah, and uh, she started to develop some of that stuff that looks like pink eye. Mm-hmm. Right? Coincidentally, I left the hospital with pink eye. So we naturally we thought she got, I got pink eye, and she got pink eye. Little did we know that I was the only asshole with pink eye, and she just had a closed tear duct. Because you don't wash your hands when you're number two. Oh, come on, man. That's that's not, how you get pink not, eye, bro. The hospital was dirty. The hospital was dirty? Yeah. So you normally touch dirty things and put in your eye? Oh my gosh. It was the <laughs> worst thing. Do you know how do you know how <laughs> upset squat? Do you know the toilet? Yeah, yeah I was yeah. trying to squat. That's what happened. See, uh-huh. I didn't squat. And you grabbed the side of the toilet. <laughs> yeah. And so, then you wiped your eye with your hand before you, know you how, wash your hand. Do you know how hard it was for me to tell my wife that just had our second baby? That you got pink eye? And she's got she's got our son, who's two. Mm-hmm. And I got to be like, okay, so I have pink eye. I have to be isolated for the next week. You don't have to be isolated with pink eye. Well, yeah, you do. You just don't it's touch it. Super contagious, bro. Are you kidding me? It's contagious. They touch you. It's not mm-hmm. airborne. No, nah, doctor said you got to be away from the baby. What? Yep. Erwin, can you, can you Google uh, what do you want pink you, eye being contagious? You guys want to. It is not airborne, bro. It's not like he's going to outbreak he's, monkey. No, but if, the, if I'm holding the baby and the baby reaches and touches me in the eye. Don't touch your face with the baby. Bro, I think it's way safer to keep the baby away. You want this guy that went Bro, you didn't help your eye? wife the first couple of weeks? You're such a dick, bro. First, first week, bro. You're a dick. Oh, dude, it's, it's worse than that. I didn't get to hold her for the first week. Pink eye conjectivitis is an infl- inflammation of the conjective, conjectiva? Injective, whatever, who cares? Vital and bacterial conjunctivitis uh, can be very contagious and easily spread from person to person. Close personal contacts, such as touching or shaking hands. Oh, uh, what do you do with the baby? Coughing and sneezing. Oh, wow. Touching an object or surface with germs Wait, on it. Wait, Chris, coughing and, and sneezing? Then touching your eye before washing your Wait, hands. Wait, coughing and sneezing? Okay, don't cough and sneeze on your baby. <laughs> Wear a mask, bro. Bro, you, you could have worn a mask and held, and held out. You're going to, this is the hill you want to die on, huh? I'm not, this is not the hill I want to die on. I'm just saying, like, you could have helped your wife that she was pregnant. She carried that baby for nine months. My, my wife is a saint. Honestly, second to none. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Viral conjectivitis can usually be contagious for two weeks after the symptoms first appear. She won, though. She got to hold her much longer than I did. Oh, stop I, it. If I could don't, go back don't, in try, time, don't try to be a martyr if I for could, this. If I could go back in time. Oh, man. You wouldn't wipe poop in your eye? I miss, I miss, I miss, I miss my daughter <laughs> being that small. <laughs> So tell me, tell me about the economy in Disney with these brutal. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah, exactly. It, no. the, I read it. It wasn't that bad. It, it, he laid off a bunch of employees, and he said he was going to do. Yeah, he said he was going to do this a while ago. He sent an email saying layoffs are starting. Seven thousand of you guys going to lose your jobs in total. Yeah, but not not all at once. Yeah, I mean it wasn't it, it wasn't that bad. Obviously, we're, it's sad for the people that are going to lose their jobs, but the, the headline was a brutal letter to employees. There's well, no way. To to give bad news in a good way. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. You want to you want me to read it? No, no, it's too long for us to read. But in the first paragraph, I hear you can read that part if you want. As I shared with you in February, we have made the difficult decision to reduce our overall workforce by approximately seven thousand jobs, 
as part of a strategic realignment of the company, including important cost-saving measures necessary for creating a more effective, coordinated, and streamlined approach to our business. Over the past few months, senior leaders have been working closely with HR to assess their operational needs, and I want to give you an update on those efforts. I mean, this is no, no, no part about this is like brutal. I don't understand. Well, I think the idea is that you send people an email like this saying we're starting these layoffs and it freaks them out. But isn't that what you isn't that what we said that I mean that's the you sign you want to communicate right? That's yeah. good leadership. Yeah, no, I, 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 there's no he's good not, way to give, deliver a bad. He's, he's not hiding behind anything. Yeah, well, he also makes a shit ton of money. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. Just saying, he could have been like, you know what? I don't need all this money. I'll take half. Yeah, he is Mr. Disney. Yes, he is indeed. So that's our show for tonight, kids. Chris needs some sleep. We yeah, promise I, you he'll be better on the next episode. I have slept, I think the first two nights I was in Dallas, I probably slept an aggregate of two and a half hours. Mm. Third night, I took some Z-Quil and slept, I think, three or four more hours. Um, but I think oh, like overall, the course of three days, I probably had like six hours sleep. I tried to take an hour nap when I was at home before I came here, but uh, it just was not enough. I'm sorry, man. I'll FaceTime you more next time. FaceTime me more? Yeah. How's that going to help? You missed me. That that definitely was not it. You know it was. Oh, no, man. I keep, you're my screensaver. <laughs> Sorry, how funny was it that he got all butthurt that you didn't reply in five minutes? Oh, my God. This guy. You were so, You. Bro, I spent like $4,200 on a fucking camera. Of all, like, of I was, all, of all I was people. Hoping you, if I you am, were the camera, you thought that you would nerd out on this shit. I am the most responsive person. I'm known. I'm known as the most responsive person. I'm the most Ooh. responsive person. Huh? By who? Yeah, there you go. By, really? Uh -huh. You want to do this? That's your family right there. This guy. This guy right here. That's your family. He, that's coming from the worst. I know he's the worst. The worst. He is the worst. Like, no, on, I know if, he if is. there's ever an emergency, trust me, I'm not calling this guy. No, I know that. I'll call but his wife. You, I'll call you his wife. I did not know. Huh? You, I did not know. He, I knew. Bro. So I'm in an area with no reception. What do you want me to do? You're in a jujitsu class in the middle of the same city I, you live in. I literally sent you a screenshot. It said SOS on my reception. <laughs> what do you want me to do? And that was dated August 1945. <laughs> <laughs> Just making it up. Sure, stop. You know you keep that as your like make default sure. you know, you get, Hey, I'm coming for you now. We you know I'm watching you, every response time. What place doesn't have Wi-Fi? Every, every, Does this place doesn't have Wi-Fi? Dude, I'm not asking to get on their bootleg Wi-Fi. What do you mean asking? It should be, there should be like a guest Wi-Fi. Nah, Even us in our bootleg-ass studio here has guest Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, no, there's nothing about this place's bootleg. But, Except uh, for the cameras. When I, when I go there. you're not excited to talk when about. When I go there, I like, I like to watch the kids. I get really invested. I have no it. problem. Then send me a message saying, hey, man, I'm watching the kids. I'll get you back. Bro, I did not have reception. Don't do this. Allegedly. Chris, you ain't the wifey. Why does he have to message I'm you not saying? the wifey. I'm just saying. I was trying to spend a good amount of coin trying to get a camera upgrade, well, which did. wind up not fucking working out anyway. <laughs> you did. You did. But it, ultimately, it's just going to require us to spend more coin. Yeah, now, I mean, now, we, now we need another $3,000 camera. <laughs> it's fucked up, man. It's so fucked. <laughs> the only way to solve this problem, boys, is to spend more money. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That, that's going to be what it, But we'll use the other two, the A6400, the 6600. That's why like, we need a sponsor. Yes. <laughs> if you know anyone that's willing to sponsor this show that has an explicit rating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mind occasional discussions about laser hair removal on the anus. Right. And while you're at it, Go ahead and leave us an honest five-star review, whether that's on Apple or on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, we've gotten a couple of new ones, but they've only been the stars, no comments, which is, you know, it's fine. We're good with that. You know, I'm good with that. But if, if you do feel the need to, to you know, compelled to leave an honest five-star review, as you should, that would be the humane thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you should just 
spend the extra minute just to say, I love these guys. Honestly, it makes our day. It does, yeah. Yeah. We're at it's 185 like, for Apple Pods. Yes, and, sir. And uh, 106 for Spotify. It's like, it's not bad. It, yeah. I feel like we, there's a, a little bit of a competition between us that none of us are speaking about on, on who can notify the team first on a new review. Man, I thought I had y'all for a while, but it, I'm notifying you guys on reviews that don't have text. So it's like, it's like, oh, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's anticlimactic. Oh, yeah. You know, seriously. All right. Well, let's say goodnight because I got to go home and sleep. Good night, everybody. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.